Well, we had to do something to get Cam back off that Porsche narcotic. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I called it balancing the books, RJ O'Connell. We had no, to bring no, in- no, nothing Dre can say to me right now can hurt me. <laughs> nothing. I think I think he's, I think he's going to explain why in a minute. But welcome to episode four eighteen of Motorsport One Hundred and One. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to a special edition of the show reviewing the Rolex Twenty Four Hours of Daytona for Twenty Twenty Three. Oh yeah, this one has been uh, this one's been a long time uh, cooking. Uh, so long, in fact, that I am on another assignment far away from Florida. <laughs> it, it's been a while since we couldn't get we couldn't get all three of us back together in time properly, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, these things happen. You know, RJ's a busy man. We're all busy people at the moment, but we came together specifically for this special, and uh, I, I can't wait to get talking about it. Well, mostly uh, RJ and Cam to do most of the talking because uh, they're into this a bit more than I am. But I opened it. Admit, I did watch a good chunk of this one. And I very much enjoyed it. It was a it was a very good Rolex, and Dorsey joining me. From a hotel in Dubai at two thirty-five in the morning, God bless him. Is R.J. O'Connell? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, uh, I am now um, on assignment at the Asian Le Mans series, where several pro-am prototype and GT teams are fighting for their absolute last chance to make the 24 hours of Le Mans field on merit without having to worry about whether or not they get an invitation to the race or not. <laughs> Every champion in the series gets one, gets a, uh, gets an automatic berth into the big one. But I really wanted to do the 24 hours of Daytona in person and everybody else wanted to be a part of this they didn't say what the final attendance figure was for this race, but they kept saying it was the biggest Rolex 24 in terms of spectator attendance ever, mm. and I'm inclined to agree with it. But most wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the turnout at the race looked incredible. Hold on, mm. I'm a, Dre. I'm going to show you a, a photo of the uh, of the grid walk. Sure. I'm going to show you a photo of the gridwalk, and I'll, I'll tell you uh, that uh, yeah, it was uh, it was slim pickings just trying to get out to that thing because uh, everybody wanted to be a part of it. It certainly looked that way from TV, and like I was going to say, most importantly, did you have a good time? Given it was your first time down there in person. Well, I'll tell you this: I was very busy. Uh, contributing to daily sports cars coverage of the event, mm. but never did I feel burned out or or like like I didn't want to be there anymore. Like yeah, I had a long long Saturday that turned into oversleeping into Sunday morning. Um, all of my mental bandwidth was spent, but it was so worth it to be part of that start, that race as a whole. Some mm. of those finishes. Even some of the events that we were talking about, like I knew, I knew ahead of time that Jensen Button was going to be that missing link in the Garage Fifty Six project, mm. but I just wanted to let everyone soak it in because they didn't know it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the beautiful nature of inside information! I was doing that at the Hash Reveal for WTF One this week. Oh, we would set, we were setting the pictures like a day out. And then we had to pretend like we hadn't already seen them for the launch itself on Twitter. It was great. I love shit like that. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, it's wonderful. I oh, didn't even know they made a Ford Pinto race car. <laughs> this was one of the many historic cars on exhibit. You know, Porsche 935s, uh, several Brumos Porsches, Ford Pinto race car, Jeff Gordon, 2004 NASCAR copy car, as you do. Ah, uh, the, the Devin Altieri expansion of copy car. Love that. Um, I just uh, wish Cam was here to take it all in with me because I know you were wanting to go to this for a while and it didn't work out. It was a good time. Yeah. It was such a good time. 
that 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 did happen. But you know, nothing can hurt me right now. Why, all is right with the world. Oh. All is right with the world. So why have we got why have we got to peel you off the ceiling again? Um, well, they're remastering the first Metroid Prime game, which is <laughs> uh, my favorite game of all time. That is awesome. Well, like, somebody's <clears throat> favorite Nintendo franchise that's been mostly neglected for the last twenty years is getting a remaster. Yeah, yeah, fuck F Zero. Metroid's all that matters. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? Why are we inflicting violence on this? Uh, why this are we? What, what, why are we as F Zero fans catching strays for your Metroid Prime holy boner? That's, that's how these things go. Fuck you! <laughs> I'm not having that. But uh, yeah, so we're, can you tell we're recording this in the middle of a Nintendo Direct right now by any chance? Can you, can you, yeah, can you yeah, tell us? yeah, the, uh, the new Zelda game is uh, being shown right now. Link drives a car. As you do. <laughs> like, Li- Link can drive a car and a car and be in a kart racing game between that and an official F-Zero title. Yeah. I hate it here. Dude. Is he driving one of those MS5 cups from Daytona that once again delivered two batshit insane races where you're just yeah, the, the racing equivalent of crack? If it yeah. were any longer than 45 minutes, we wouldn't be able to survive. You yeah. would you would overdose on it. These races are the appropriate length and they have the appropriate stage. Uh, it's it's cool like this, you know, Indeed. just casual like milliseconds. Uh, four wide finishes across the line, tiny margins of victory. It's great. Yeah. Go out of your way to see that. Go out of your way to watch the roll at twenty four, and then and then pause this and then come back to, for us to talk about it, which is what we're going to do today. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to break down all of the action from the GTP class, the new the new headlining class, and uh, it may be a new headlining class, but the winner was very much the same. The number 60 Mayor Shank team retains their title with Tom Blomqvist bringing them home at the end. Um, in what They continue to take Ryan Eric King's comments about them at the start of last year <laughs> very personally. You know, I just think it, I just don't I just think the poetry is not lost on me that a predominantly white, pink and light blue car is having success in Ron DeSantis's backyard. Um, well, you know, it, it, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say something, um, Out of I was going to say something English writer related, but she's not worth it. Agreed. Um, trans rights are human rights and fuck yeah. Hogwarts legacy. Anyway. It's um, not even a good game. It's not even a good game, but we're not right. here to talk about pig shit legacy. We're here to talk about the Rolex 24 Daytona. We're here to talk about the best finish of the day coming from a category that everybody thought was just going to be a dumpster fire yeah via a man called james allen not the formula one commentator not Um, that james allen but uh could you imagine 24 hours of racing coming down to a photo finish covered by point what zero one six of a second Yeah, we'll talk about how James Allen won the LMP2 class by literally maybe three feet, um, if that, over the line. We'll talk about that. We'll get into some of the other classes as well, like the Heart of Racing guys winning over in GTD. Uh, Marrow Engel surviving, and I'm going to our notes here, surviving late acts of violence, uh, as you do. And uh, we'll talk about, we'll even talk about the not-so-mean class of LMP3 as well, all over the next 40 minutes or so right here on motorsport 101 but until then here's a place you can find us real quick we're on we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and if you want to follow our personal handles you can at dre underscore wtf1 at cbuckley917 and at rj o'connell if if you really like us you can back us financially on patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 all sorts of perks and access on there as well all those details and more on the website at motorsport101.com. Check us out on there. So, without further ado, let's get into the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona 2023. So, despite it being a 24-hour race, gentlemen, I guess you could say it came down to the 24 minutes of Daytona at the end. (laughs) 
I'm you're kind right of felt there. that way. <laughs> there it, it came there were there was a late safety car intervention that reset the field with 25 minutes to go. Uh it looked like it, it turned into an accurate one-two finish. Obviously, we told you Meyershank Racing with Kerbag and Jadian did go on to win the race. Uh, very interesting wrinkle in this uh, this battle because first and foremost, Tom Blumquist was sensational from flag to flag, and. Mike Shake and Jim Meyer are seriously entertaining the possibility of getting him in one of their Indy cars. If mm. and when Elio or Simon decides to step aside because he's that good. Remember, in, in Formula 3 in 2014, he finished ahead of some dude named Matts. Uh, I think he's the kid of some washed-up driver from the 90s. May have gone on to win a couple of world championships. Tom Blumquist is good. Felipe Albuquerque probably had something in the in what I would now like to call the other Acura, the Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti. No. Um, that only ever ends badly for hosts on the show, RJ. You know this. Well, that's that's where they reside now. They are not the reigning Rolex 24 champions, and they're not the reigning MSA Premier Class champions. Until they take that mantle back, they are the other Acura. And now I'm going to sweep the year just to spite RJ. They were saving up something for the last four hours. They were going to switch the the rear bodywork of the car off to a low downforce configuration to give them more top end speed later in the race. But the problem was when they tried to make that change, uh, one of the dowel rods that connects the, the rear wing assembly to the rest of the car broke, so they couldn't fit it to the car. So they lost that strategic advantage. And, oh, Felipe Albuquerque tried, he tried, but he just could not catch Tom Blomquist at the end. This was a very, very good race from that crew. I mean, Elio it says a lot when the most anonymous individual driving performance of that crew was from Elio Castroneves, who just became only the second human ever to win this race three times in a row. Colin Braun just and did his best to throw it away because he uh, he tried way too hard on one of the restarts going into the night and almost wrote the car off into turn one. Yeah. Colin mm. Braun was just named this team as a full-time driver. Remember, they cut Oliver Jarvis from the team, the other half of the defending IMSA Series champions, and replaced him with Colin Braun, whose only, whose only taste of DPI was a cup of coffee uh, in a dead-on-its-legs Nissan Enroque Ligier DPI that was not representative of his talents. He had one of the most insane scrambles from sixth place to right on the gearbats of gearbots of Ranger Vanderzanda for the overall lead. Uh, Colin Braun had to run right to the wall at Speedway Turn 2 to try and clear a slower LMP3 car that almost pushed him into the barriers. And then he had to go below the double yellow line, which would be a penalty in NASCAR, but IMSA, it's free real estate. <laughs> Ranger had to put on just a naughty little block to keep him behind. How about your boy Simon Pagano too, Cam? How about he? He's looking. His confidence is back. I mean, honestly, he probably looked the most anonymous out of all of them. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. He just was rolling off, clicking off laps. Um, See, unless you're Joseph Newgarden, in which Joseph Newgarden, well, got mildly murdered in the middle of the night. It wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a multi class race without the top class prototypes killing a GT or vice versa. And uh, in this case, it was some prototype on prototype violence. Yeah, that, that, that didn't go over well. There was some beef in the pit lane afterwards. They interviewed Joseph Newgarden after he got out of the car. And um, he was asked, well, what, I, what did it feel like to have Simon Pagano pass you like that? And uh, Joseph said, and I quote, I don't get very many. I don't get very many. He doesn't get very many opportunities to pass me these days. So oh, I was in the media center where they were doing that. Like they'll pull dri individual drivers over for like mm. post stint interviews. So they had him in the media room, and then they talked about that. And then they asked Simon about that like later on in the day. But this was before he just ripped around the outside of his countryman Sebastian Bourdais 
uh, mm. to take the lead of the race, uh, a lead that they would not relinquish. Yeah, I mean, if Joseph wants to say that, it's going to be hard for Simon to hear it over polishing his Indy 500 ring. <laughs> be more than anonymous in a 500, bud. Oh, jeez. Cam, are you taking this one slightly personally by any chance? I don't have to. Simon won the race overall. <laughs> I would say, I would say the bus bros. Lachlan won the people's heart by tossing around that tower racing car to get within a lap of the leaders by the end. Their race was pretty much yeah, the, 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 the car. Yeah, the bus bros car um, for all of the hype going in literally broke on lap one of the race. Yeah, that that wasn't. Uh, they had a horrible set of circumstances. The bus bros, to say the least. Um, but McLaughlin gave it the good old college try. He really did, and I love the fact that on Twitter, he was the one that directly responded to Jenna Fry saying the series needs more beef. IndyCar needs more beef. We need to stir up some drama for this hundred days to Indy donkey series that we're doing. And McLaughlin was like, "How about no?" Um, <laughs> the desperation for literally any attention on IndyCar is just I, painful at this point. Jenna, Jenna was stirring up. I love her for stirring up so much shit this past weekend. I want to get back to Wayne Taylor Racing because, like, mm. as good as Blumquist was, our friends at the B Pillar had Albuquerque posting the fastest average lap time of the race, and yeah, Philippe Albuquerque driving, is still him at this track. Yeah, that driving oh, yeah. past the eyeball test. And I want to give a shout out as well to Louis Delatraz, who was putting on some really good moves of his own through traffic to get up with the leaders. You know, I think if he puts in enough drives like these, uh, they're going to have to make a new answer to uh, Murray Walker's famous question about his dad. What is Delatraz doing? Cooking. Cooking. <laughs> Cooking. <laughs> I love that I'm we all had the so same answer. I'm so glad that, that <laughs> all, all of us went to the same place. We, we, we all share, share one brain a singular cell. brain cell. Damn it! <laughs> yeah. This was this was a this was a race where I would consider a success. Um, oh, oh, oh yeah, especially and we'll get into reliability in a moment because I have to cradle a corpse. Um, but <laughs> for the disaster that was predicted for GTP, for the first for the debut of a new class at a twenty-four hour race. Not too bad on the reliability side because most of the reliability problems were on spec parts. Um, spec parts, which indeed were used in DPI, so I don't know why they're becoming a problem now, specifically for one manufacturer, but I digress. Mm. Um, and it's how it beats the debut of the DPs, where a Porsche GT3 won overall 20 years ago. 20th anniversary. The races group <laughs> are coming back to top flight racing. Um, yeah. Three of the four makes had a legitimate shot to win at one point in the race, and only one car had a terminal failure. Even Let's talk still, about it. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about the Porsches because they were quick. They were quick. Um, they're really the the Acuras were fast all of the time. The Cadillacs were fast in the night. The Porsches were fast in the day. But well, it's a 24 hour race and it's the first race for a new car. Sometimes shit goes bad. And as it happened, a series of spec parts pretty much ruined Porsche's chance at the win, which is okay. I don't think they had the pace to win anyway. Um, not the, Nothing had the pace of the 60 car. That thing was busted on the banking. Mm. Um, I don't mind what I saw out of Porsche. There's this weird trend. I, I, I made the mistake of picking a Porsche because as I went through their history... I realized that every Porsche prototype basically since 1968 has a horrible debut and then <laughs> things go very well. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. 919, most of 2014 was a wash. Then it came good. The 962 grenaded an engine after getting pole in its first race. I think that one turned out pretty well later on and so on. Uh, but yeah, the six car coming back from an off in the night actually went around the 60 and started pulling away only to suffer what initially looked like electronics issues and then punched a hole in the gearbox casing. 
Yeah, Nick Tandy had just fought to get his to get back to within a lap of the leader. So if there was a caution, he would have been waved around to the lead lap. Uh, and then his car stopped, and you're thinking, oh, geez, now he's got to work to get all the way back. And then, holy shit, is that car smoking? Yeah. And it's a shame because that was the only terminal failure of the GTPs all race long. And this is the challenge of debuting this new category at the longest and most prestigious race of the season. You don't well, get a few sprint races to get your feet wet. You dive Well, right and that was there. it is actually um, kind of a overall for all the manufacturers – it was really only spec parts. There were cooling issues on the seven car, but that was after a spec battery failure earlier yeah. in the race while they were actually really? like f- actually fighting the 60 for the lead. But three of the four manufacturers would suffer gearbox problems. Both Acuras had oil leaks in the gearboxes, which created the visual of them dumping oil into the 60 whenever they got the chance. Yeah, that was the, that was the other thing I want to touch on. <laughs> Yeah, Meyer Shank Racing had the pace, but it was not an easy race for them. It was not a race for the only cars that ran trouble free, RJ, were the two Ganassi Cadillacs, which just did not have any speed in the daytime. It's it's a shame, but they did have their chance to win. Mike Shank was prepared to run it till it blew up. Uh, for the remaining three quarters distance after they realized that their gearbots issue, they had a gearbots issue. They only remedy by monitoring the fluid levels. Monitoring. Is that what we call pitting three <laughs> times under one caution to pump oil into it? That's, yeah. what, that's what they're um, calling it. They it were just, pumping oil in. The 10 team were pumping oil into the engine um, because we also had fuel con- uh, oil contamination issues with the new biofuels that they're running in this category. Um the number 31 Cadillac grenaded a transmission during the night. They had uh, they actually tore some studs and had to rebuild it. And the Didn't six car punched a hit? hole in the casing. Because I remember uh, Pipo Durrani, who, who who has never met an overtake that he won't foolishly go for, uh, was not happy <laughs> that, he got, that he got nerfed off at night when it looked like they had a chance to win. Yeah, uh, again, the Cadillacs were tremendous in the nighttime. It was quick enough to fight and even hold the 60 back. Um, but the Ganassi cars ran trouble-free. The 31 had a big gearbox failure in the night, had to rebuild it, had to go back out. The 6 car punched a hole in the casing. And poor one out for BMW, where the 24 car, not too bad. They only lost a few laps. The 25 car had a terminal hybrid failure at the end of the first hour, spent a long time in the pits, and that was not their only long stint in the pit lane. They just were not a factor in the race. But they finished. Such some decent lap times. Once they got, once they were already way out of contention, uh, they showed good pace. But we already knew that they BMW were. gets the wave around to cut the lap gap to 132. <laughs> Dude, it was, oh man, we had a feeling that they were they were behind the eight ball, as you put it. Like some other manufacturers had plant announced, planned, and then scrapped their LMDH programs at the time that it took BMW to drop a sketch and that's not the most painful news about audi in the last week hi bathurst oh nine minutes into the race i digress nine um nine minutes in but yeah overall reliability on the gtps it was mainly spec parts that broke for everyone yeah. So if X-Track and uh, Williams Advanced Engineering, of course, no longer involved with Williams, which is weird to think, um, yeah. if they can get their shit together, honestly, we're already in pretty good shape. The BOP, Acura might need a little nerf, not so much on speed, but on their fuel consumption, which was just busted good compared to the rest of the field. They could go an extra two laps on a stint. Doesn't sound like a lot. That's huge in endurance racing. Mm. Other than that, BOP between the Porsche and Caddy was okay. BMW, I think they'll get on pace more naturally just because their program is behind right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I don't think um, they'll unlike end up a being... certain uh, Unlike a certain other class, RJ, I don't think the BOP is too much of a problem in GTP. I'm going to table uh, GT Daytona balance of performance because I want to talk about LMP2. And 
yes, it's pro-am prototype racing. A lot of the games are in way over their head. Uh, everybody was fearing that they would, they along with LMP3, were going to cause uh, six cautions in a span of two hours. It turned out fine, but I want to talk about the winner because pro-tie competition should never have been in this position for many, many reasons. Um, remember, Proton Competition are only running this LMP2 Orica at Natona to fill time until they get their Porsche 963 delivered to them, and that's behind schedule. So this was only meant to be a one-off entry, and with that in mind, <laughs> it would have been easy to think that by Thursday morning, they would have pulled this car because gentleman driver Fred Poordad one of the greatest surnames for Amazing. a gentleman driver in motorsport. What a surname. He crashed it. He crashed it into the bus stop during qualifying on Sunday, which was bad enough. Then you get to Thursday afternoon practice where we are just hours removed from Lucas Hour breaking his back in the morning practice. We don't even get through another practice session when Proton's Francesco Pizzi, who's Moving to American racing after a terrible first year in FIA Formula 3. He's 18 years old. He's never driven this track before. Goes out and spins out of, out of the bus stop and crushes the left side of the car against the safer's barrier. And because of that, he couldn't run at night practice, so he wasn't cleared to drive at night. And you would have thought through all of that, right? We're already running the WeatherTech Mercedes that looks good enough to win GTD Pro. We don't need to spend too much effort with what is a one-off car that we're just doing to fill time. But not only do they not pull out of the race, not only do they rebuild the car overnight with four new corners and a brand new gearbox to get it ready to start the race, but they kept plugging and plugging along until they found themselves in the top three in class by the final few hours. And let's not forget with three hours left, they were still three laps off the class lead and by the final hour, they were back on the lead lap. All of that is what builds to the moment where Ben Hanley and James Allen, not that James Allen, young <laughs> Australian driver who's been plying his craft in LMP2 cars for quite a while and has been pretty good at it, I'd say. Mm. Hanley appears to have hold, held him off at sitting turn one. Anley appears to get the run out of the bus stop that he needs to seal up the class win for CrowdStrike Racing with APR, my personal pick to win the race. But then Hanley has to let off a little bit for a slower car in front of him, ironically, the LMP3 class winners. And that gives Allen enough of a window to tuck into the slipstream and then pass him around the outside. 16 milliseconds. After 24 hours. Yeah. <sighs> James Allen by maybe three feet. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> I think I'm being generous when I say three feet. It was that close. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable finish. Like, we we, we had stopped giving a shit about Bronfus winning the main class. We were all just watching thinking, hang on. He's half a second up going through the <clears throat> Le Mans chicane and thinking... It's not that. It'll, it'll be the bus stop to me for now and forever. But um, he, he had a half-second lead coming out of that final Le Mans chicane, and you're thinking, that's surely enough, right? Right? I thought <laughs> it was done the second Hanley slammed the door on Allen's face in turn one. So did I. I thought, well, where else is he going to pass him? And then, if he, then, then he, my man found a way. <laughs> he found a way until... until he timed it to absolute perfection uh, because he, like said, he said the four words that everybody wants to hear. Here comes James Allen. <laughs> and here <laughs> comes James Allen. <laughs> I got quite a good lead if he and me. Um, but yeah, it was an incredible, one of the most incredible sports car finishes I've ever seen. You will do well to find a better finish in a motorsport race this year than that one. Yeah, that was an incredible. An incredible finish with an incredible backstory behind it. One of two really gutsy, determined, weekend-long performances from a team that could have had every incentive to give in and pack up and try again another weekend and then just didn't. Theirs was the one that was rewarded with success. We'll get to another that sadly wasn't. 
Mm. Mm. Weren't they the team that also had on their car, my other car is a Porsche? Um, actually, no, that was uh, JDC Miller Motorsports, another Por- Porsche customer team. Uh, <laughs> they were running LMP3s this weekend. They did not have a good weekend. Uh, oh, LMP- yeah. For once, LMP3 driving standards did not ruin the battle. LMP3 reliability did. Uh, Sean Creech Motorsports had one of the card beat pretty much all day. And then just after sunset, they lose a gearbox. And that opens the door for Canadian team AWA and their often maligned Duquesne engineering chassis to take the... Th- th- uh, this is the equivalent of like the Dallara winning LMP2. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, it's that um, wonderful first audition for young Argentine driver Nico Verone. Uh, because uh, by the time we get to Sebring, he'll be driving something with a little bit more prestige in it. Something called the Chevrolet Corvette C8R for the Corvette Racing Team. <laughs> Keep an eye on that. Um, we've, uh, we've tabled the GTD discussion. Uh, well, we got two different winners out of this. We, we had some strange storylines, but all everybody wants to talk about is that boy, IMSA clearly does not have new toy syndrome when it comes to GTD balance <laughs> and performance. In fact, they have so little of it that in the statement given after the race, IMSA more or less gave them a, as per my last email, no <laughs> We're not helping you. <laughs> as far as we know, Porsche's basically stuck like this until further notice. Jesus. They're, yeah, Porsche's basically stuck three seconds off the pace until IMSA feels like their their timeout is over. So, like, is this, cool. This, Thanks, guys. This, yeah, if you had a new car. Cool. Yeah. If you had a new car in GTD, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll I mean, the, the 63 Lamborghini. The Iron Lynx Lamborghini ran as about a perfect race as you possibly could. And they were getting dropped by a second and a half a lap minimum during the final restart and run to the flag. Yeah. I was like, did IMSA still genuinely think they're sandbagging after watching this? Because like, what? how how could they be well, watching that and thinking that know, this is okay? So we got a... Uh, so- one, uh, so in the midst of all the hubbub about Porsche and Ferrari and Lamborghini with their brand spanking new cars, uh, not having a good weekend. One of their manufacturers whose customers had a low key, terrible weekend was BMW with the M with the, uh, with the M4 GT3s. Uh, Will Turner actually shared, uh, the internal memo that was, uh, sent to the manufacturers of these GTD teams, uh, after the roar before the 24 and they basically just said yeah we're trying something different uh roar performance has no bearing on what we're doing with balance of performance this year now i will say that um there will be a two-day test at sebring international raceway and there are going to be balance and performance adjustments given to the new cars in particular as part of this test so that time out may be over sooner rather than later, but man, it just wasn't a good week for. <laughs> okay, at least Porsche got some cars to the finish. What the hell happened to Ferrari? <laughs> Ferrari were a mess. Um, the Dames Lamborghini. Oh my god! Oh, like, their kill count was rising at a rapid rate during the race killed the lmp2 leader mid-race actually um and and shout out to the the plaid porsche the lumberjack the faf team entire race just stroke stroke (laughs) up on the banking they they bs'd Oh, I was. Were they on the lead lap by the end of the race? I can go and check, but yeah, they, they spent um, far too much of that race on the lead lap, given that they were north of three seconds a lap off for most of the event. It's Klaus Bockler, Lawrence Vantor, who 
surely one of these days he's going to win one of these things, right? And, well, Lawrence uh, Vantor was just a walking temple to sweat all race. He had one of the smallest lap time spreads and the best lap times out of any of the Porsche drivers. Man's put in work to be two point two to be about two seconds slower than the fastest other car at, across all of GT Daytona. Yeah, because they were getting gapped on the straightaways. They they were getting passed by five cars in their class per straightaway at times. It was <gasps> it was just... it was sad. But who's like the this? Ims is trying something different. They they don't want. They're trying like, something different. TM, which is I, what exactly? What's the game plan here? What justification are we talking don't, about? Don't this? let um, don't let uh, roar before the twenty four be the be all and end all for how balance of performance is set for the race. I'm not going to say that it worked in this instance because uh, it clearly did not. In the case of uh, customer teams for these manufacturers specifically plus bmw they did not have a good weekend <sighs> yeah i mean and there are other series that hire independent drivers have teams declare their setups and just send them out to define the bop there but, but, SRO in SRO, but in sro they won't be doing that for another couple of months and uh, if, if, if it swung the other way where Porsche and Ferrari and Lamborghini teams were just beating the brakes off everybody else, I don't think that would have been a good look either. No, it wouldn't have. So what did they, so they do? On the other hand, if you're an Aston Martin or Mercedes customer, you probably love this event. Unless you're windward racing. Jeez. Oh, Again, Lucas Hour crashing the first practice before the after qualifying but before the race weekend hurts his back thankfully not a serious back injury but he is going to be on the shelf for a while he was going to be at the bathroom's 12 hour and obviously mm. well he had to be pulled um windward racing gets a car driven from their shop in pasadena texas to florida overnight they then spent until four o'clock in the morning of race day getting that car ready. They don't have time to do hardship laps. So they're pretty much just like, okay, we've got all the parts bolted on. We'll figure out, we'll know how fast it is when the race starts. Russell Ward, who is effectively their the team owner and driver, is the most, uh, he's not a amateur, but he is less professional than the other guys. He started from the back, and by the end of the first hour, he was already up in the top five. And him yeah. and Philip Ellis and Daniel Morad, who did phenomenal filling in for uh, for the injured Lucas Hour, and Indy Doncha as well, uh, all of them look like they had a chance to win GT Daytona, not just the D GT Daytona Pro-Am class, but across all of GT Daytonas, including the All-Pro category. Yep. And then with 30 minutes left, Philip Ellis gets pushed into that same damn wall. Not oh. enough to break his back, but enough to break everybody's hearts. Yep, just got a hip check from an oversteering Antonio Garcia and the vet. Clipped the wall, and that was the end of their week. <sighs> there is no justice in the world. No. Sports are cruel, folks. Sports are cruel. Yeah. And that was what, about half an hour left? That yeah. was half, half an, an hour, hour left, left fighting the for the win. Yeah. We were right in the fight for the win with 30 minutes to go and crunch. <laughs> I mean, they got they did not get lucky. Maro Engel got lucky, on the other hand. Mm. Well, he repaid it back at Bathurst one week later. <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that. Well, <laughs> you couldn't help yourself, could you? Well, you're the you're the best driver by a mile here, and you just make a silly dive bomb on on the guy that you just shared a car with in your GTD Pro Class victory. We get, forgot to mention Pro Time Competition won two different classes because they run the WeatherTech Racing uh, Mercedes. Uh, Maro Engel, Danny Okadea, Jules Gunyan, who just keeps winning races and changing nationalities at the drop of a hat. How about <laughs> Cooper McNeil? It's Ooh, his Cooper 13th. McNeil will not log off. <laughs> Except he did log off. 
This was his last race, his 13th role at 24, and this is the one that he finally wins it as a driver. What Does a he have way two-thirds to of the Triple Crown in class? That's crazy. Because he won, when, uh, when there was some GTLM violence a couple of years ago, he won it in, uh, wasn't he in the WeatherTech Porsche that won it? I believe so, yeah. Oh, my God. He just that, needs to go to Le Mans now in a 963 and tell bullshit a win there. Cooper, <laughs> Cooper, is, Cooper could be good enough to be a full-time professional racing driver, but he is the son of the uh, the man that owns the company that sponsors the team, and he is backing away from the driving side of things to be more of a manager type. Uh, so he's this, been, as much as we just, he's been perfectly serviceable. Yeah, he's been perfectly serviceable. He got all of his drive time out of the way as early as possible in this race to let all of the Mercedes-AMG hired guns that he brought on board just run that race ragged from that point forward. <laughs> get, get money, hold it back, <laughs> etc. Love that for him. Love that for him. Love it for Ian James of Heart of Racing Team, the team that is also co-owned by Gabe Newell. Uh, mm. They gave Aston Martin their first ever Rolex victory, winning the GT Daytona class and being the top GTD car overall because uh, IMSA has a very curious thing where they have a pro-am category, but silver-graded drivers are not amateurs. And, but IMSA is the only series that still believes it does, even though you see 21-year-old Roman DeAngelis, who is a seriously talented young driver, just carrying that race for his team. It's silly, but it's a, it's a discussion for another day. They had a good race. Uh, they were battling windward racing all the way uh, through those closing laps. It's a shame we didn't get that battle at the very end of it, but they were game. They were solid. Finally, Aston Martin has something go their way at the Rolex 24. <laughs> but it's the same because another one that their cars died in the final hour, which brought out one of those late cautions. <laughs> right. They did lose They did lose the 23 car that was in GTD Pro. Not, not enough green. They still finished top of the GTD classes anyway. Yay! Finally, a win for Aston Martin. Um, you see what happens once Vettel retires? <laughs> Sorry. To, you, see uh, what, you see what happens when you bring in Marco Sorensen and Darren Turner to your team? You see what happens when Roman DeAngelis is really, really good? It helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wish there was more. there were more competitive makes in GT Daytona uh, because... From the ones that we did have, they gave us some good racing. They did give us some good racing in spite of it all. Mm, mm. I mean, so just before we get out of here, because we, 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 that's a pretty comprehensive cover, just about everything. I mean, final thoughts overall on the race itself in your time there, RJ. Um, I can't stress enough how if you've never been, you should go. And if you were thinking of going next year, you really should because next, like year, next year could be the year that we see what this is all building to. 2023 was the launch of the link that will give us top-class convergence, and then by the time we get through a whole season of World Endurance Championship, by the time we come back to Daytona next year, it may not just be Porsche 963s and Acura ARXO 06s on those high banks. I'm thinking it may be some Ferrari 499Ps in there as well. Mm, some, Toyota GS, some Toyota GRO10s as well. And uh, if you thought last year was something, this past year was something, this year, oh, it's good. This coming year is going to be great. I had a fantastic time. Uh, thank you to Graham for allowing me to twist your arm just enough to get me to come along. Thank you to our 
photographers, Martin Spetz and Andrew Skippy Hall. Skippy's a great sport, by the way, because uh, because uh, right. as the resident right Australian of the group, uh, he could, he, what what better way to rib one of your photographers on his birthday and around the proximity of Australia Day than to take him to an Australian themed chain restaurant founded by two people who'd never been to Australia before they founded the restaurant. Did we take an Australian photographer to Outback Steakhouse twice in the span of three days? Twice. Twice. <laughs> yes. We, you we people absolutely. are evil. Your, your, your crew is pure evil, O'Connell. <laughs> How could you do that to him? Look, look I, I, as an Englishman, we don't have the best relationship with the Australians. And even I think that's cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> on the other hand, the Bloomin' Onion is fucking delicious. <laughs> You're not I'll wrong. Yeah, you're terrible. <laughs> Admittedly, it was not my idea. I just couldn't help but like go into uncontrollable laughing fits. Oh no! Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, Cam, I know obviously you got you weren't down there, but you were watching most of this from home. I mean, what did you make of it? I watched all of it from home. My brain <laughs> is still in pain. Um, <laughs> what I feel like this was was a great springboard into this season. Mm. As it really does just set up, uh, set us up beautifully, not just for IMSA, but also for WEC. Actually, the next time we'll see the GTPs will be for the Sabring 1000 mile, the same weekend as the Sabring 12 hours. Mm. Um, we're going to see at one caddy and a couple of Porsches in WEC. That's and right. And uh, the rest the of the zero grid. two, the zero two is doing uh, WEC for the rest of the season. Uh, they, they pronounce it WEC, but not Elms or Alms. Make well, it make uh, sense. Thankfully, we won't talk about alms ever on this podcast due to the presence of one redacted driver. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they straight up hired a dude that raced in GP2 to be their bronze driver. That's just funny. <laughs> Says that a lot about funny. the driver, don't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sabring being a just certified torture rack for cars. Yeah, I was about to say, um, what's, the, being, what's the one place you want to go to least of all after you put your car through a 24-hour race? I don't know. How about a 12-hour race on a track that's twice as punishing? Yeah, mm. twice. Twice <laughs> as punishing. Okay, oh, they're lowballing it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how these cars cope there. It's going to be really interesting to see if uh, IMSA gets their BOP act together for the GT class. I think they will. I hope so, for my own sake. Um, yeah, and as RJ said, this is not. This is just the start of this class, the set of regulations. Yeah, yeah. Within the next year, I mean, we're going to see more customer cars as far as the Porsche um, later this year, and then hopefully within the next couple of years, you know, we know Lamborghini is going to be arriving. We know Alpine is going to be arriving apparently with the formula two V six. I wonder how that's going to go for them. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I think we need an engine to last 24 hours. Let's call Mechachrome. Stranger things have worked before that, that same engine, which was also atrocious in LMP one P a couple of years ago. And we're going to see, as said, Lamborghini joining for more Volkswagen right. Group uh, goodness. This, it feels good. It feels almost as good as Metroid Prime being remastered. Right. It feels good. Like, if you are a avid fan of endurance sports car racing, um, I don't know how jaded you have to be to not think that we're heading into good times. Like, yes, there's always like, there's always power struggles. There are always things going on in the background. Not everything's great, but this, this is an amazing proof of concept for things that are good to come. And mm. like, there have been some rough years between WEC and IMSA. Uh, the rebuilding phase is over. Same for the Bathurst 12 hour. Congratulations, Kenny Havel, Jules Gunyan, uh, and, and Lucas Stoltz, uh, and all of Sun Energy won racing for winning what is now back to being a big time event. Yeah, actually, uh, 
Speaking of BOP, we actually just got the BOP table for the Sabring test. Um, we're getting a power increase across all the GTPs. Oh. We love to see it. Good. That that can only help, I think. But uh, I think it's down to me to put a neat little bow on things here. I certainly enjoyed it as a casual spectator. thought we had some great racing across we're the board. We're wearing them down, people. We're making them like sports cars. Ugh, slowly. You, you, do, you don't have to watch Asian Le Mans series. It's fine. Please, don't, actually them. don't. I encourage you to not do so. <laughs> well, the GT competitions will be good. The GT competition will be good, but if if pro if strictly pro am racing is not your thing, then it's then you're you're fine to pass on it. That's and that's okay. There's we'll plenty see. of it out there. I, I am off this weekend, so we'll see how we go. Um, I'm actually not doing a whole string of WTF1 podcasts, and I'm not on the AlphaTauri launch this weekend. Um, they, they've got other, I've got other of my uh, delightful cars. Oh, yes, my favorite there, fashion show featuring Formula One cars. Yes, yes, you know, 300-pound jumpers at your service. Um, but I've very much enjoyed the 24-hour Daytona, and yeah, look, they're wearing me down slowly on this. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give them this. It's slowly working on me, but uh, it was a, it was a fun time. Really much enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Sorry, it came up a little late. We were a little bit busy organizing other things and whatnot, but uh, very much enjoyed it. And who knows, we might do a few more sports car editions of the show throughout 2023 but hope you guys enjoyed that one um again uh, we'll be back um, um podcast wise with formula e from hyderabad next week we're, um yeah we're starting to count down the days towards the formula one season we're two weeks away from testing um by the time this goes out so uh yeah we're, we're getting into the meat and potatoes of things now so we'll be in season preview season before you know it um oh, so yeah so, yeah, so yeah, keep your eyes on that although moto gp is going to be a bit late this year who, who, who'd have thought that they're, they're going to be up last this time which is weird but here we are last just like honda uh, if the boot fits um, I've been Dre Harrison they've been RJ O'Connell and sitting Cam Buckley we'll see you guys next time for some Formula E in Hyderabad until then sayonara Dre think about this mm. not zero chance that next year there will be a BMW LMDH driven by Valentino Rossi, and I know you cannot wait for that. I think I'd rather put thumbtacks in my eyes. Well, while, uh, while Dre does that, I'm going to go download my trade prime. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all, y'all. <laughs>